We are in a series of sermons called There's No Place Like Home. And we've seen sermons on marriage. We've seen sermons on fathers. And this morning we come to a a sermon on mothers. I have with me in the pulpit a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle. Some of you love jigsaw puzzles. Some of you can't stand them. But I have brought one with me, 500 pieces. And I just wanted to point out something by way of introduction. That in the 21st century, being a mother is a complex job. It's multivaried in its responsibilities and skills that are demanded. And so I'm just going to remind you as I reach into the puzzle with its 500 pieces that each one of these make up the total picture of being a mother that's role is smiled upon from the eyes of God in heaven. Mothers work inside the home, but they also sometimes work outside the home. Of course, they are wives. Mothers are cooks. Mothers are laundry women in some cases, seamstresses, doctors, police women, nurses, counselors. You getting the picture? Counselors with problems to do with money or employment. They are shoppers. (laughs) They are evangelists. They are chauffeurs, mechanics, in some cases landlords. Of course, Christian mothers are to be Christian workers in the church. Truant officers, (laughs) Bible teachers, tutors, janitors, teachers, general contractors. You get the picture? Disciple makers, historians. (laughs) Andrea, historians. (laughs) Motivational speakers, disciple makers, maids. Bankers who make budgets and who advise people with money. Babysitters of their grands and other people's kids. Of course, their daughters, their granddaughters, their caregivers, both for those in their family that are aging, their parents perhaps, but they're also caregivers for their own kids who take sick. Yes, being a mom is a multifaceted thing. It's a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle that... Uh, our sisters in Christ who are mothers are struggling with and working with and putting forth effort on every single day. And so the question becomes, what is the answer to the jigsaw? What does God expect of mothers? What is the template? What is the picture? What is the goal of being a godly mom? Well, I want to share with you some things very quickly this morning that I believe help us to know. And the verses that Charlie and Zena read are the verses we're going to visit in these times this morning. But before I get started, there may be some of you here be here saying, I'm not a mother. I never was married, or I was married and God never gave us children. I'd just like to remind the ladies who may feel that way that there are probably persons in this assembly, they consider you to be their spiritual mom. They look to you for the spiritual mothering they need as they go through life with Jesus. So whether you are a biological mother, an adoptive mother, a foster mother, or a spiritual mother, I believe the truth for today is for all of you. The first thing I want to see with you is that in the eyes of heaven, in God's estimation, mothers are to be gentle with their children. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 7, we read, 
but prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. So in the first place, God wants mothers to be gentle with their children. This is the opposite of harshness. This is the opposite of impatience. This is the opposite of roughness. This is the opposite of inconsideration. Mothers are to be gentle with their children, and God has made the fairer sex much more prone to gentleness than the men, I believe. Secondly, God wants mothers to be tender caregivers of their children. Same verse, 1 Thessalonians 2, 7. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother, watch now, tenderly cares for her own children. If you are a mom, God wants you and will help you to be tender caregivers of your children. This tender caregiving, of course, is selflessness. You remember, ladies, those early days of being a mom, like Pamela Roker and others in our assembly who are newer mothers, and how you'd get up many times in the middle of the night when you heard that cry for food, and you would go, and you would tenderly care for the hunger needs of your baby. And so this uh, caretaking, this tender caretaking, is not selfish, it is selfless. It's also empathetic. It's feeling your child's pain in your heart. It's also compassionate. It's not only feeling your children's need or pain in your heart, but then it's doing something about it. It's empathy rolling up its sleeves to work. It's compassion. This is also borne out for ladies by being unhurried. I know your lives are pressured. I know your lives have many different responsibilities. And it may seem to you like the clock goes around so fast on your average day. You wake in the morning and you do so many things. And it seems just like then you retire for bed the next, uh, next thing you knew that night. Don't convey to your children. With God's help, don't convey to your children that you're hurried. You know, tell me, tell me, tell me. Um, I can't really listen right now, but try with God's help to be unhurried as part of being a tender caregiver to your children. And of course, being a tender caregiver for your child is also the opposite of forgetting your child, forgetting your child's needs, overlooking your child's legitimate needs. Tender caregivers don't overlook needs. They don't forget needs. The prophet Isaiah was speaking and writing to ancient Judah who had not heeded God's warnings about idolatry and God's patience had uh, been very patient with them, but now it was time for them to face the consequences of idolatry. And Isaiah wrote to Judah and warned them of several things about what would happen to them in captivity. He also held out hope for them after captivity. But in Isaiah 49, verse 15, we see something that um, ties into being a good mom. And it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Implication being that God is illustrating that a healthy woman, a spiritual woman, a loving woman who is a mother, cannot forget the needs of her nursing child and cannot fail to have compassion on her own children. Then the verse goes on to allow that maybe it is possible for a human mother to forget these important things. Even these may forget, 
but I will not forget you, says God to ancient Judah and says God to Calvary Bible Church this morning. And so we've seen so far that mothers are to be gentle with their children, and then they are to be caregivers of their children, and then they are to obviously love their children, obviously love the children. We see that in Titus chapter 2. In Titus chapter 2, a wonderful paragraph to do with being a mother and a wife. And we'll see in this reading that mothers are to obviously love their children. Titus 2, 3, and 4. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. And so, moms, you are called by God who gives you the enabling grace to answer this call to love your children. The Greek word here is phileo. It's the one that means brotherly love, affection. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. God calls the mothers to brotherly, sisterly love their children, to have a noted, obvious, undiluted affection for the children. I might add an affection for all the children equally, no favorites. So mothers are to obviously have that strong affection for their children, all of their children. So don't ever tell your child, mom, you know you're a lot of work. We weren't intending to have kids. I've given up a lot of my dreams because of you. Don't say that. Rather say, anything I've ever given up for you has been worth it. I'm crazy about you. You are one of the best gifts that God has ever given to me and Daddy. You know, sometimes we're quick to say, I love you, and we should, but have you ever said to your child, I like you? I like you. I like the way you're turning out. I like the way that you interact with people. I like the way that you're generous. I like the way that you have a heart for the underdog. I like you. Say that. And always tell them, I'll always have your back. I'll always have your back. You know, when we talk about this strong affection, this love that mothers are supposed to have for their children, I go to Subway like you do periodically to get a sandwich. I get a BMT, Italian bread, cheddar cheese, lettuce, double or triple tomato, they look at me, green peppers, and lots of oil and lots of vinegar and a splash of mustard. I have an affection for tomatoes. I love tomatoes. I can't get enough of them, but you know what I'll never, ever put on my Subway sandwich? Olives. Sorry, you will never see an olive on my sandwich because I don't have a strong affection for olives, quite the contrary. (laughs) But I do have a strong affection for tomatoes. 
And moms, your children should know that you have a strong affection for them. Mothers, to review, are to be gentle with their children and they're to be caregivers with a tenderness. And mothers are to obviously love their children. Fourth, mothers are to live out consistent Christian lives. Consistent Christian lives. Titus 2, 4, and 5. We'll pick it up at 3 to 5. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. That result, that the word of God may not be dishonored. It is the Christian mother's Lifestyle, a consistent Christian lifestyle. Her testimony is to be one of a lifestyle of affection for her husband, sensibility, purity, diligence in her home's responsibilities, kindness, and submission to her husband. And I know that many moms and women generally can recoil from that word submission. May I just remind you that submission in the Greek is hupotasso, to submit in the Greek the original language the New Testament was written in is hupotasso. It's a compound word. Hupo means under. Tasso means to stand. To stand under. To stand under. You don't check your brains at the door, Mom. You don't, have, uh, you don't lack a say in decisions that need to be made. Wise is your husband who consults with you and gives your input serious consideration. But for functionality, God says that the wife is to stand under the husband in respect. And so when your lifestyle is such that these things are there and growing, again, a lifestyle of affection for your husband, sensibility, purity, diligence in your home's responsibilities, kindness and submission to your husband, when the world sees that, they see this is for real. This is not just talk. This is walk. Further, when they look in on that kind of a wife and mother in a home, they understand how Jesus loves the church. That's what they see in the, in the husband and the father. But then they see how the church stands under Christ. That's the wonderful submission of the wife and the mother. You know, I think those of you who have been parents for any length of time, that children are video camcorders that are always recording constantly. And they are recording how the husband interacts with the wife. They're recording how the wife interacts with the husband. They're video recording how the mother deals with them. They're video recording how the father deals with them. They're video recording everything. And so it's incumbent, this morning we're talking about moms, but it's also incumbent upon fathers that we do our best to walk in the spirit in obedience to the word of God as, more, as constantly as we possibly can. So the children, when they play the videotape that they've taken in our homes, will see godliness, will see testimony for Christ, will see consistency, will see blessing, will see joy, will see functionality, will see all the things that God means for a home. 
Mothers are to live out a consistent Christian life. Dr. Howie Hendricks at Dallas Seminary said to us, more is caught in a home than is taught. More is caught in a home than is taught. The fifth thing that mothers are to aspire to, according to the scriptures now that I will now share, is that mothers are to be influential in pointing their children to saving faith in Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy, we get a window into a young, very young pastor's life and background. He was nervous. That's why he had to drink some diluted wine for the sake of his stomach. He was a fearful young pastor because he was learning how to trust God in the local church setting. And we get a background on Pastor Timothy when it says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is now in you as well. Do you see that? A spiritual baton had been passed from grandma to mother to son. Women who have children have both the privilege and the responsibility of having a part in pointing those precious children to the cross telling those precious children the way of salvation and inviting them to saving faith in Christ. Of course, it's not just the mother who can do that. The father can do that for sure. But the mother, in this case, had a a role, as did the grandmother in Timothy's conversion and then in his maturation spiritually. The next verse I would like to share under the same topic as mothers should be Influential in pointing their children to salvation is Proverbs 6, verse 20. It's interesting that Proverbs 6.20 is the doorway into a paragraph that is warning children, grown children, from adultery, warning uh, grown children from adulteresses. And at the front door of these verses, this paragraph, these proverbs about warning grown children about adultery is verse 20, which says, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. In this scenario, the father gave commandments about purity to the children, apparently, and in this context, apparently the mother gave teaching to their children about this problem. Nobody, mothers, nobody understands women like women. Have you warned, mother, have you warned your boys about the flirtatious woman? What is she trying to do? What insecurities the flirtatious seductress has that she would want to lure a man into illicit sin? Ladies, you know women better than I know women. God gives you a chance to teach to guard your sons from the adulteress. Now, you may be sitting here and you'd be thinking, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, and we're on the fifth point now. You've told us that we're to be gentle with our children, check. We're to be tender caregivers of our children, check. We've to, we are to obviously love our children, check. You've told us that we are to live out consistent Christian lives. I'm working on it, check. 
Now we come to this one we're on now. Mothers are to be influential in pointing their children to saving faith in Jesus. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, now that's beyond me. I got saved late in life. I don't know everything to know about theology and about scripture. I'm not sure that I could point my children to salvation in Jesus. I don't know enough, you may think. May I just remind you, if you know enough to be saved, you know enough, mom, to help your children know what they need to know so that they could be saved. Basically, what a child or any person of any age needs to know is three things. Sin, substitution, and faith in Christ. When a child is old enough to understand sin, substitution, that Jesus died in their place, and faith, trust in Christ alone for salvation, the child is maturity-wise ready to trust Jesus to be Savior. Sin, substitution, and faith. As you well know, I am no genius. But I understood sin, substitution, and faith well before being 10 years old. Children are capable of understanding these things and trusting Jesus to be their Lord and Savior very young. Don't underestimate that. The last point, the sixth point this morning for moms, just to review one through five, mothers are to be gentle with their children. Two, mothers are to give tender care to their children. Three, mothers are to obviously love their children. Four, mothers are to live out consistent Christian lives. Five, mothers are to be influential in pointing their children to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The sixth point for us this morning is that mothers are to build up their families. Mothers are to build up their families. In Proverbs 14.1, it's very plain, it's very clear, and it says, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Obviously, in God's evaluation, there are certain wise mothers, they build up their families, and there are certain unwise mothers that tear down their families. Now, I am pretty sure that no woman that I met in 30 years of being a pastor, no mother that I met in 30 years of being a pastor, set out on her wedding day to tear down her family. But I have met many Christian women in 30 years of pastoring who have, in fact, tore down their family either in anger because of something that's happened to them or quite inadvertently by sloppy habits and poor decisions. So what kind of things tear down families? What kind of things are mothers um, foolish in? Well, I have several. Here's some ways that mothers can tear down their families by refusing to submit to their husbands by playing favorites with their children, by being deceitful with her husband and or her kids. Women will tear down their families by being lazy, by minding others' business while neglecting their own business, by breaking marriage vows in infidelity, by being chronic liars, by being harsh and unkind with their husbands or their children or both, by putting money ahead of love, by encouraging her kids to sin, by being characterized by an ungrateful and a demanding 
heart by having a negative and a critical spirit. These things, mothers, will tear down your homes. Don't be about any of those things. Women who tear down their homes also, they are refusing to be the helper which their God meant for them to be with their particular husband. You do remember that in Genesis, as God, the creative story of God's creation over six literal days is told to us in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you do remember that God said of everything he made after each creative day that it was good. The first thing that God said in his creation that was not good was Genesis 2.18, and God said he saw the loneliness of Adam, and he said that is not good. And so you know what he did. He fashioned out of a rib. He caused Adam to fall asleep, took a rib out of Adam, and fashioned a woman made in his image as equally as Adam was made in God's image. He fashioned a woman to be his helpmeet, it says in the King James Version, his helper. But it's not just a helper, ladies. It's a perfectly compatible, suitable, tailor-made helper. If you are married, you are the tailor-made helper for your husband. You fill in where he is weak as he fills in where you are weak. And so this helpmeet, this role that wives and mothers are to have is a hand-in-glove kind of compatibility for the good of the children and the family. But a wife or a mother who refuses to be the helper to her husband because she's not going to be anybody's helper, she, is going to, she doesn't need anybody's help, and she's not going to give anybody help. When a woman has that attitude... It's the beginning of tearing down, deconstructing her family. Another thing that will cause a wife and mother to tear down her family is focusing only on her outer beauty and neglecting her inner beauty. Outer beauty is one thing, but inner beauty is more important because just as God looked on Jesse's son, David, the runt of the family who was shepherding in the field and not even being paraded before the prophet as to who would be the second king of Israel. God didn't look at his stature. God didn't look at his athleticism. God didn't look at his intellect. God looked on his heart. And similarly, moms, God is looking on your heart. It's fine to care for your outer appearance. That's fine, but keep it in balance. God sees your heart, and God cares most about your heart. This is an interesting challenge. That amid all the pieces of being a wife and a mother, 500 in this box, that God has bothered to give you who are mothers the picture you're shooting for, what the puzzle pieces should come together and resemble. You're not just taking shots in the dark. You're not left to your own devices or your own plans or your own smarts. God has given you the lid of what it means 
to be a godly mother, to be gentle with your kids, to be a tender caregiver for your kids, to love your kids, to live out before your kids a consistent Christian life, to be influential in pointing your children to saving faith in the Lord Jesus. May I just point out that those who are mothers that are spiritual mothers, I hope that you are pointing your spiritual children to faith in Jesus Christ as you minister to those wonderful children here at church, calling them to Christ, calling them to the cross, calling them to salvation, calling them to repentance, calling them to faith. And sixth, God has told us in the lid of this puzzle box that mothers are to build up their families. What a gracious God that he would give us the answer to what it means to be a mom this morning. May you have our prayers, mothers, and our love and our support. And may you pray for yourselves. Husbands, you pray for the wife that God has given to you, your helpmeet, and you pray for her mothering. That's so important. Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, the perfect Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth you have given to us in your word in these minutes. We thank you that being a godly mother is not a mystery, but it is something you have revealed in your word as to what that would look like and how the pieces of the puzzle would go together. Lord, I pray for the mothers here today who have understood these things before and who are living to the best of their ability in the power of the Holy Spirit to be those kind of mothers. Encourage them. Bless them. Show them fruit for their efforts. Lord, other mothers have come to the conclusion as these verses have been taught that they have a long way to go. Maybe they were copying a mother that wasn't a good example and that's how they thought to be a mom. Oh, Lord, may this be a fresh day of change, a day when these uh, principles and standards would be aspired toward by precious women. Lord, we are bowed in your presence to know also that in some cases the children that are being mothered and fathered in our assembly are doing very well. They are seeing Christ formed in them as believers. They are making choices that honor you. They are respectful of authority. They are diligent in their labors. And they have a mind for ministry. They want to share their faith. And they want to build up the body of Christ here at Calvary Bible. Thank you for such children such success stories in homes. But Lord, we're also acutely aware that for some moms bowed in your presence, they have done their best, and some or all of their children have been prodigals. They have gone away to the far-off country trying to find happiness and meaning outside of God. And these precious moms are praying they are before your throne of grace early in the mornings, and they are before your throne of grace well after bedtime at night. And these precious children are on their hearts. They long for better for them. They pray that they would repent. And as the prodigal himself in the story come to the their senses in the pig pens that these children have settled for, be it near or far away from home, Lord, I pray for these precious prayer warrior mothers, that you would encourage them and bless them, that they would not grow weary in well-doing, 
knowing that they will reap if they uh, do not faint. Lord, we ask that as we dismiss today that there would be much pondering, not only in mothers' hearts, but in husbands' and fathers' hearts and in children who are here hearing this. May there be much pondering that as a watching and a perishing world would look in on any one of our families, they would see wives and mothers standing under the authority of the dad and husband and being tender, spiritual caregivers to their children. And may those that are watching and perishing outside of faith in Christ look into the individual families of our assembly and see how dads are to love their wives with a sacrificing love in a godly way. Lord, make our marriages and make our homes suitable advertisements, billboards for the true shape that a family should have under Christ. And we ask these things very grateful and very expectant that you who have begun a good work in us, that you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And we pray these things and God's people said, Amen.